Good evening, everyone. This is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, and welcome to episode number 811 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WCWS Radio Network right here, of course, on TalkShoe.com. This is the one and the only WCWS Revolution. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS, Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. As you said, to talk about our favorite subject of all time, that being, of course, professional wrestling. We, of course, will start things off with our Rutgers and Beasts statement, which we brought to us by our 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team, King Ice, represented here tonight by, of course, the Iceman himself, J.D. Jared DiGiralmo. He is, of course, Matt, ladies and gentlemen, a 2015-17 and now 2020 legacy member of the WWS Hall of Fame. And also, of course, ladies, <clears throat> also, of course, he's part of the broadcasting that brings you WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here, of course, on TalkShoe.com. Join us here on the TalkShoe chat box here tonight. Of course, bringing us tonight's wrestling history and birthdays is the human suplex machine, John Gross. John, of course, is the is the first 2016 Hall of Famer as well as a member of, of 2020 Legacy Wing of the Hall of Fame, plus also another member of the broadcast team that brings you Raw Radio Every Monday afternoon right here, of course, on TalkShoe.com. Before we get to tonight, tonight's itinerary tonight, let's welcome J.D. and John to what should be a, a heck of a good time here. And, it's one, and one so explosive, in fact, you're going to need double the dynamite, to double the dynamite and double the power here to get this thing rolling. 811 of Revolution. Indeed. Thank you very much, here, J.D. Our live video feed tonight, ladies and gentlemen, comes to us from one of our senior groups of the WWS stable of groups, of course, on Facebook, that, of course, being WWS Legacy. If you care to join us through the live video feed for Revolution episode 811, please feel free to give us a check us out here at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Legacy Standing. I do see, of course, a couple of members of uh, our uh, of uh, John Gross's uh, Sports and Pro Wrestling Incorporated Facebook page has joined us there including, of course, the GM of WWS Fan Empire, <clears throat> Mr. Justin Lewis Fleming, and also, of course, a member who, who uh, a member of our, who has been, who has, of course, joined us on our shows here in recent memory here as well. He is, of course, uh, Mr. Mitt Patel, which, by the way, J.D., he said, what's up, slap nuts? Oh, God, not again. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, uh, JD's kind of thinking about that one there, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll hear about something. Later. In the in the meantime, if you care to join us through talkshoe.com, the phone number as always is 1-605-562-0444. Call our ID 138055-pound and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we have to talk about here tonight, which will just will will which will include, I'll say it in a minute there. Uh, in addition to our news and views and history and birthdays tonight. We will, of course, will be bringing you, of course, our thoughts and opinions as to what took place on once again the, let's just say, uh, uh, fanless edition of Monday Night Raw from the Performance Center down there in Orlando, Florida. Of course, the lead up towards the was going to be the first fanless WrestleMania. Uh, of course, coming up here in the next couple of weeks, we'll do some more talking about that here momentarily. Also, of course, ladies and gentlemen, tonight as we will, of course, continue on. Uh, with, of course, this, this wrestling drought taking place due to the infamous coronavirus pandemic, or as I've been calling it, the overrated flu bug. We, of course, will also have our more of our wrestling pay-per-view extravaganza, of course, entitled WWS Blast from the Past. More big-time actual matchups, ladies and gentlemen, 
uh, from all around the wrestling uh, wrestling universe there. There's a lot, a lot of ones we remember and a lot of ones we'll talk about here and there and all that great stuff here tonight there as well. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get right to the meat of the action. We're going to 9.30 p.m. on uh, Wednesday, um, Wednesday, Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. We'll mark that now as another blooper. Thank you very much. Uh, so, of course, we go to our wrestling news and views segment here. Of course, we're going to bring it here to us tonight. Even though there's not a whole lot going on in either wrestling or sports, he does have a whole lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is right now, ladies and gentlemen, the three-time Hall of Famer, the Iceman, J.D. Jared DiGiorno. J.D., what's going on here in the wrestling news scene here tonight? Tonight on AEW Dark, how long? Let me just mute that for a minute. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian will take on Sean Spears, the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, with Tully Blanchard and Robert Anthony. Sonny Kiss, the RuPaul impersonator, as I like to call him, of AEW, and the party boy Joey Janela, however, will take on Car- Corey Hollis and Mike Reed. Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall will take on Matt Sells, with an S, however, and John Cruz. Cole Cabana will take on Brandon Cutler. Kip Sabian, however, will take on Shug D, and Jake Hager will take on Joe Alonso. Meanwhile, however, in other news, however, mind you, however, let's say the raw viewership for the edition before WrestleMania 36, however, last night was not very good, to say the least, however, as they went down to 2.006, down from 2.335. Last year at this time, Raw delivered 2.58 million viewers. The first hour did 2.28, hour two did 2.00, and the final hour did 1.726. Meanwhile, however, according to reports, however, WWE wrestlers Rey Mysterio Jr. and Dana Brookhauer will not compete now at WrestleMania 36, which is set to be taped possibly tomorrow and Thursday at the Performance Center in Orlando due to the overgrowing flu bug, however. Both were told about the matter earlier today. Meanwhile, WrestleMania 30 on ESPN's viewership power for this past Sunday night did 839,000 viewers, however, as they showed it on ESPN. This Sunday, however, ESPN however, will air WrestleMania 32, however, believe it or not, however, on that show. And then, of course, before WrestleMania 36, however, early in the afternoon on Sunday, April 5th, will air part of last year's WrestleMania. Meanwhile, however, two more matches have been listed for WrestleMania, however, that were enlisted last night on Monday Night Raw, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Meanwhile, however, a quick side note from last Friday's show, however, we did forget to wish a happy birthday to former Kentucky Wildcat and Los Angeles Lakers legendary coach Pat Riley, who turned 75 last Friday. So happy birthday to the former legendary Laker coach, however, who coached Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, and the Showtime Lakers of the 80s, however, to, I believe, three NBA championships, two or three NBA championships. I'll have to double-check and see how much they won. Meanwhile, Dark Side of the Ring is set to make its debut tonight on the Viceland channel. Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Chavo Guerrero, Vicky Guerrero, and Malenko's wife, along with Chris Benoit's son, David, however, are going to talk about the life and times of the rapid Wolverine, however, in this two-hour chilling documentary season premiere. Chris Jericho had plenty to say about it in the season premiere. After the show tonight, however, mind you, however, Tommy Dreamer and Chavo Guerrero will be on a... Uh, will be on the post show that will follow the show tonight, however, simply called, however, After Dark. 
Meanwhile, some of the other shows and episodes include this season, The Life and Times of Dr. D. David Schultz, who, as we all know, back in 1984-2020 reported John Stossel right in the eardrum, busting his eardrum to the point where Stossel later sued Vince McMahon in WWE. The passing of uh, Nancy Argentino, Superfly Jimmy Snuka's so-called Mistress Girlfriend in 1983, Herb Abrams in the old Universal Wrestling Federation, which of course was in the 90s and made its debut on ESPN2 and also Sports Channel America, and of course we talked about his shady background, which we'll talk to about in just a little bit. Also, episodes this year include the Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the print of the Iceman. Uh, uh, the Iceman here was, of course, in the middle of reading, uh, reading our, giving our wrestling news report here. Apparently, something must have happened to his audio. Uh, we're not sure what happened here, but uh, we're hoping to try to get him back here. Hope to try to get him back here in, in just a few moments. Uh, uh, let's see. John, if you can't see, let JD know that his audio, something's happened to JD's audio. You can please. So, but uh, in the meantime, here, folks, ladies and gentlemen, while we uh, we of course, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go ahead and bring and bring you, of course, let's see uh, some some of our wrestling history and birthdays here here for today, here March the twenty fourth, and of course, I admit it, we do if we do get JD back here at some point. We'll, um, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, of course, swing back to him to finish up his wrestling news segment here. But uh, we, again, apologize. We're not sure what happened. Um, we're not sure what happened here with uh, with J.D., but we'll get we'll try to get back here as soon as possible. In the meantime, let's go ahead and bring you today's wrestling history here for today, March the 24th, courtesy of the human suplex machine, John Gross. <clears throat> 29 years ago today, ladies and gentlemen, we'll put it in 1991. WWF presented WrestleMania 7 from the Los Angeles Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. 16,158 were in attendance with 400,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's down from 560,000 homes for WrestleMania 6 and just over half the number of homes for WrestleMania 5, which was 767,000. Security threatens security threats forced the event to move to the from the 92,000 seat LA Memorial Coliseum. And here, of course, are the matches that took place. In a dark match, Coco Beware defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. The Rockers defeated the Barbarian in Haku. The Texas Tornado defeated Dino Bravo. This was Texas Tornado, Tornado's first and only WrestleMania appearance. The British Bulldog defeated the Warlord. This was the Bulldog's first WrestleMania appearance since 1988. The Nasty Boys defeated the Hart Foundation to win the tag team titles. It's the last match for, for, for Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart as a duo, as Bret was pushed for a singles wrestler for the remainder of his career. Jake Roberts defeated Rick Martell in a blindfold match. The Undertaker defeated Jimmy Snuka. This was the first of 21 consecutive WrestleMania wins, spanning uh, 23 years for The Undertaker. And this would be Snuka's last WrestleMania match until 2009. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Randy Savage in a retirement match. This was Ultimate Warrior's last WrestleMania match until 1996, although he did make an appearance at the end of the main event in 1992. After the match, Savage was attacked by Sherry. Elizabeth would make the save, and the two reconciled and would get storyline married a few months later. This was Savage's last match until December of 1991. 
Tenru and Katow defeated the team of Demolition, who I believe was Smash and Crush at that time. The Big Boss Man defeated Mr. Perfect in, by DQ in an Intercontinental title match. Of note, this was the last WrestleMania appearance ever for Andre the Giant, because when he came down later to be in the corner of the Big Boss Man. Earthquake defeated Greg Valentine. The Legion of Doom defeated Power and Glory. Virgil defeated Ted DiBiase by countout. The Mountie defeated Tito Santana in just 81 seconds. And Hulk Hogan defeated Sergeant Slaughter to win the WWF title. Megan Hogan, the first man to win the WWF title, for, uh, for, uh, the first man to hold the belt three times. There you go. 27 years ago today, let me, let me check right here. Uh, it doesn't put it in 1993. The WWF Hall of Fame was created with Andre the Giant being the first and only inductee after, sadly, he passed away in January of heart failure at the age of 46. 24, <clears throat> 24 years ago today, which we put it at 1996, WCW presented Uncensored from the Tupelo Coliseum in Tupelo, Mississippi. The show was voted the worst major show of 1996, and also the show's main, also the show's main event won the work, won the work, the Worst worked match. Uh, 17 years ago today, which would put it at, uh, let's see, uh, 2003, uh, Chief Morley, of course, you would know him also earlier as Val Venus, declares him one half of the World Tag Team Champions with William Regal. When William, uh, the one half of the World Tag Team Champions, when William Regal was stripped of the belts, this was due to a stomach virus, but it was a serious, actually a serious heart condition. On that same day, Goldberg went on to sign with WWE. His debut would be announced after at WrestleMania 19 the following weekend, and he debuted the following Monday. <clears throat> Today, we wish a very happy 35th birthday to Lana. Also, happy 105th birthday. Of course, we've gone to the late uh, Gorgeous George. Also, happy 42nd birthday to De D'Angelo De Niro. Of course, you might remember him in the watered-down version of ECW as uh, Elijah Burke. Also, happy 60th birthday to Barry Horowitz, who finally won the match in July of 1995 against Skip of the Body Dominance, if you remember that. Also, happy 30th birthday to Lacey Evans, and also happy 38th birthday to one half of, of course, Chris Jericho's inner circle and former world heavyweight and also United States champion, also former Mr. Money in the Bank. Of course, of course, as we now know him as Jake Hager. Of course, you would also remember him in the WWE as Jack Swagger. Also, happy 40th. Ninth birthday to, of course, a current AEW superstar. Also, was well known in, of course, in Ring of Honor as well as, of course, TNA for a while. Of course, uh, former TNA X Division champion Christopher Daniels. And today is a very is a very special birthday. And JD, I mean John, definitely is very very happy about this. To one of his favorite wrestlers of all time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, happy 55th birthday. Of course, his real name, of course, is Mark Calloway. But of course, fans simply know him better as the legendary undertaker and okay and john says i don't think we need to do any history on him right here uh before we do so let me see jd are you back with us okay we, we think we may have we think we may have jd back here so stand by ladies and gentlemen while we try to while we try to while we try to of course get him back here Okay, wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're getting him back here. Stand by here. Let's see. All right, JD. Uh, yeah, sorry. Apparently, apparently, JD, we must have lost you midway through. 
uh, your new segment there. So we're going to let you go and finish yours. But of course, I'm already down to a big time birthday here today, and I'll mention that again here in a moment. But in the meantime, let's go and let's go and get let's let you get your news finished, news uh, taken care of before we proceed ahead. I, go ahead. I did mention Dark Side of the Ring, right? You, you were talking about that whenever you got that off. Okay, yes. Uh, tonight, however, is the season premiere of season two of Dark Side of the Ring. Chris Jericho will be the narrator, and of course, some of the stories talk about Chris Benoit, part one and two tonight. The life and crimes of New Jack next week, the brawl for all. Jimmy Snooker and the, the, and the death of Nancy Argentino, of course, we all know what happened back in 1983. The assassination of Dino Bravo, of course, we all know what happened there. Of course, Herb Abrams, the Road Wars, Owen Hart, however, Dr. D, David Schultz, are just some of the other people that have been subject to this year. Uh, and, of course, we all know of the Herb Abrams story. Chris Jericho, of course, we will warn you ahead of time for this Chris Jericho one. If you have not seen part one nor part two, please use parental discretion. This is very, very graphic. This is very, very intense. And like I said, you have a lot of people on there. And, of course, after the show tonight, after dark, Charles Gray and Tommy Dreamer are going to do a post-show talking about this uh, episode, like I said, folks. And uh, I did watch part one. I will tell you Friday, Howard. Danny's watched it already. I know you said Michelle and Anne have been going to watch it. I think John's watched it, too. Uh, it's very interesting. Let's just say that. And, of course, last year, we all know part – there were six episodes last year. Uh, some of the subjects that were in season one included Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, the match made in heaven, the Montreal Screwjob, Bret Hart and the Montreal Incident, the killing of Bruiser Brody with Tony Atlas, Abdullah the Butcher, of course, and Dutch Mantel, uh, Mick Foley and Ariel Dow, and that was somewhat very graphic to watch and very chilling to watch. They also talked with Bruiser Brody's son and wife, Barbara, and her son, Jeff. The last of the Von Erichs, Kevin Von Erich was on that one. If you will, that was pretty intense to watch. The mysterious death of Gino Hernandez, gorgeous Gino Hernandez, which they also talked to Lady Blossom, a.k.a. Jeannie Clark, who I believe was the ex-wife of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and also managed Stone Cold in his early days in Texas and world class. And then, of course, probably one of the more, uh, really, the one that kind of pissed me off more than anything last year, the one episode that was very, very sad to watch, but also really just made me pissed off and mad beyond extreme was the story of the fabulous moon i mean that one was really really upsetting to watch not just because of the fan but just because of the way her story was told and like i said tonight begins season two of this show and like i said there are we're going to do some episode seven and eight tonight but like i said i'm watching part one right now and again if you have not seen any of these shows how i will pull you to check them out ladies and gentlemen on that thing Thank you, thank you very much there, of course, J.D. Of course, J.D., along with King and W.O. Jabarki, spent this King Ice, your 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team to bring on. And we did say, of course, if you didn't hear, Pat Riley's 75th birthday was last week. As we mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, we did talk about him, the former Wildcat. Sorry, Wildcat. And uh, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, however, and Los Angeles Lakers coach, uh, played for nine years, however, in the NBA. He played for the Lakers for five years. He was an assistant for two years and then coached the Lakers for nine. He then coached the New York Knicks for four. He was an NBA champion in 72, number 42 retired by Kentucky, SEC player of the year in 66, first-team All-American and third-team All-American by the AP and UPI in 66, five-time NBA champion, three-time coach of the year, and nine-time NBA All-Star game coach, and one of the top ten coaches in NBA history. So last Friday he turned, uh, as we said, 75. Also, we want to wish happy late 83rd birthday, of course, ladies and gentlemen, to Tom Flores, the Oakland Raiders coach, however, won two Super Bowls with the Raiders in 1981 and 1984, however. Of course, Adrian Peterson turning 35 on Saturday. Also, yesterday, happy 
like I said, we did happy birthday on, uh, believe it or not, on Sunday, believe it or not, who would have been 68 years old, who is 68 years old, I should say, is, believe it or not, Bob Costas. And happy 31st birthday to J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans on Sunday. We will talk about yesterday's birthday, however, here in just a little bit, as well as today's sports birthdays here in just a bit. Okay. Uh, of course, as I said, J.D. Long King and W.O. Gerard T. Smith is King Ice. Your 2017 Hall of Fame is Tag King. They bring all the news and spit the print here in the WWS Radio Network. And, of course, if the news doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And, of course, in GTS case, Superwoman Duck Tape, you cannot beat that old-fashioned combination. Very much there, J.D. Now, of course, we are, of course, now getting into the big-time uh, – Big time, of course, uh, birthday here we've talked about here. We had several, of course, already. But, of course, we have one big one here I'm getting ready to talk about here. And John, of course, is smiling from ear to ear. Because uh, today, of course, as you know, today's happy 55th birthday to, of course, the man who I think should be by now a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, But he is well-deserved that honor uh, many, many times over. And as, of course, I'm referring to one and the only, The Undertaker. On March 24, 1965, he was born in Houston, Texas, and attended Waltrip High School, where he graduated in 1983 and began studying at Angelina College in Lubbock, Texas, on a basketball scholarship. In, ni- in 1985, he enrolled in Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth, Texas, majoring in sport entertainment and played for the Rams in the 1985-86 season as a center. He would drop out of basketball in 86 and decide to focus on professional wrestling. That same year, he was trained under Buzz Sawyer. Callaway got his first start on June 26, 1987, WCCW facing versus Brody. His first, first match where he lost, he would be accompanied by Percy Pringle, who, of course, we would know later on as Paul Bearer. And go ahead, J.D. Oh, he's okay. You must not hear me. Okay. Anyway, uh, 1988, Callaway, Callaway would be a part of the CWA. He would be introduced as the Master of Pain in 1989, managed by Dutch Mantel. On April 1st, 1989, he defeated Jerry Lawler to capture the W the USWA Unified Heavyweight Title, but would drop the title to Lawler three weeks later. On October 5th of that year, he won the WCWA Texas Heavyweight Title. He would then join WCW late, late later on that year. Dropping the ring named Mark Callis. He was promptly moved up to the Skyscrapers tag team, filling in for Sid Vicious. Callis and Dan Spivey teamed up together in 1990, facing the Legion of Doom. They were set to face the Road Warriors at Rust War, but Spivey left WCW days before their street fight match. Callis would take the take on the guidance of Paulie Dangerously as a singles wrestler, defeating future WWE talent, talent employee John Laurinaitis and also the late Brian Pillman. Callaway was frustrated in WCW and would have a conversation with WWF. On August 24, 1990, the conversation between the two parties went well. He was last wrestled for WCW on September 7, 1990, in a squash match. During his time, he wrestled in New Japan, pro wrestling as Dice Morgan, but after leaving WCW, he returned to the USWA to compete for the USWA Unified Heavyweight title. He beat Bill Dundee in the first round, but lost to Jerry Lawler in the quarterfinals. In October 1990, Callaway would finally sign with the WWF and never looked back. By the time the, by the road to Survivor Series, everyone wondered who Ted DiBiase's partner would be, and he would not have to wait long before the, the match started. DiBiase picked up a microphone and announced his mystery mystery partner, led to the ring by Brother Love, weighing in at six foot ten, 320 pounds, and that he was from Death Valley, and then walked The Undertaker, wearing a brim hat, coat, gray gloves, and boob spats. 
Not even a minute into the match, the dead man immediately eliminated Coco Beware, and then would move on to Dusty Rhodes before being counted out. Also, The Undertaker would, would be known as Kane The Undertaker, but that was immediately dropped in 1991. But the love gave The Undertaker a new manager, of course, and said Paul Bearer, who, of course, we did say later on, was, of course, also known as Percy Pringle. Sometimes Paul Bearer would carry an urn whenever The Undertaker was hurt. He would sit up with the power of the urn as his strength. At WrestleMania 7, he defeated Jimmy Snuka on his 26th birthday to start his WrestleMania undefeated streak. Also, after, I mean, after that, he moved on to main event status, feuding with the Ultimate Warrior, where the man from the dark side attacked the Warrior at the funeral parlor, with Warrior being interviewed by Paul Bearer. He would lead to memorable, memorable feuds between the two, although they weren't live on TV. On July 1st, 1991, the two faced off at Madison Square Garden in a body bag match with the Warrior when in the match. The Undertaker would form an alliance with Jake Roberts to attack the Ultimate Warrior, setting him up also disrupting the wedding reception between Randy Savage and Elizabeth at the 1991 SummerSlam. At the 1991 Survivor Series, just 370 days after making his debut, the Phenom would capture the WWF title over Hulk Hogan. He would become the youngest champion in history. On December 3rd, 1991, six days later, Taker would drop the title back to Hogan. The title would be vacated by Jack Tunney. The title would be awarded to Ric Flair as the winner of the 1992 Royal Rumble match. In February 92, he ultimately turned face after having enough of Jake Roberts' antics against Randy Savage. Roberts stated whose side the dead man was on. Undertaker instinctively replied, not yours. Leading to a match between the two at WrestleMania 8, Undertaker went in against Roberts, sending him out of the WWF. The Undertaker would then feud with Harvey Wilkman most mostly through 1992 and 93, when Wilkman brought in Kamala and Giant Gonzalez. First, Kamala would be defeated in the 92 Survivor Series in a coffin match, and Wilkman would have Gonzalez eliminate the Undertaker in the 1993 Royal Rumble match. Also, in the middle of 1993, Wilkman and Gonzalez would help Mr. Hughes would steal the Undertaker's urn. At SummerSlam 93, the Undertaker would reclaim the urn by defeating the Giant. Also, the Undertaker would then defeat another, another gargantuan monster, and a man who was champion at the time, Yokozuna. The feud began at the 93 Survivor Series with Undertaker and Yokozuna both being counted out. The Undertaker would challenge Yokozuna for the title and would build a casket for Yokozuna, making their match <clears throat> for the title a casket match at the 94 Royal Rumble. Taker had the match well in hand by dominating the 500-pound giant, and when he was close to putting the champion in, champion the lid on the champion, Yokozuna's friends, would come out to attack the Undertaker. The Undertaker did his best to fight him off, and even with the power of the urn, he was successful. But successful, Yokozuna stole the urn and struck the Undertaker with it. Yoko would then open up the urn, and the Undertaker's power suddenly vanished with green smoke coming out of the urn. That gave the start. That gave the stars and Yokozuna the advantage to bury Undertaker inside the casket to get the win. After the match, Undertaker would not leave without a warning when he appeared on the video wall, vowing not to rest in peace, and that he would have his revenge. And the Undertaker floated up into the heavens as he disappeared. Man did not see the Undertaker in the WWF for seven months. In the spring of 94, many had reports seeing the Undertaker. But after WrestleMania 10, Ted DiBiase would claim to have brought the Undertaker back, similar to what he did in the 1990 Survivor Series. But this was not an, un an Undertaker the fans were not, were not accustomed to. But Paul Bear announced that DiBiase's Undertaker was a faker, and the real Undertaker would have returned SummerSlam to the fight the mock undertaker at SummerSlam, the undertaker returned with paul bear and this was the real undertaker of course with paul bear having a new urn by his side the dead man would have purple gloves instead of gray he defeated this imposter by tombstone and him tombstoning him three times to get the win 
At Survivor Series, he would get his revenge on Yokozuna, defeating him in a casket match throughout most of 1995. DiBiase's corporation crew would target The Undertaker by stealing his urn and were doing so successfully. Even DiBiase would have come and melt down The Undertaker's urn as well. At WrestleMania 11, The Undertaker would retain his streak, defeating King Kong Bundy and would reclaim his urn back at SummerSlam, defeating Kama in a casket match. Afterwards, Taker would then feed with King Mabel, where Mabel crushed the Undertaker's face, forcing the Undertaker to wear a Phantom of the Opera mask. In December, the Undertaker would defeat Mabel <clears throat> in a casket match. In 1996, he would then feed with Diesel, who cost him the championship twice. The Undertaker would cost Diesel the championship in a cage match against Bret Hart. At WrestleMania 12, he would defeat Diesel to make his streak go 5-0. After feuding with Diesel, he would embark on a bigger feud in 96, feuding with Mankind. Mankind would make his debut the night after WrestleMania 12, attacking The Undertaker. This led to a series of confrontations between the two, with Mankind having the upper hand of, of these confrontations, destroying The Undertaker's casket, uh, Undertaker's casket with The Undertaker inside it, also costing The Undertaker the Intercontinental title. This led to a fight between the two at the 96 King of the Ring with Mankind defeating The Undertaker, the two were fighting a boiler room brawl match at SummerSlam with Paul Bear betraying the Undertaker and joining up with Mankind. In October, the Undertaker would be buried alive by Mankind and Mankind's friends as well, but the Undertaker would return in all black attire at Survivor Series, defeating Mankind. 1997 would be a challenging year for the Undertaker. It would be announced, he would be announced to challenge for the title at WrestleMania 13. On March 23, 1997, he would defeat Psycho Sid to win the title for the second time, the first time in six years that he had held the WWF title. The Undertaker would have a successful have a successful string of title defenses defeating Mankind, Farouk, Stone Cold, Vader, and others. In December of 1997, Paul Bear would blackmail the Undertaker, where Bear announced that as a child, the Undertaker had started a fire, killing his mother and father, but his brother Kane was still alive. In August, Taker would lose the title to Bret Hart with an accidental help from Shawn Michaels. The Phenom would then feud with Michaels. Their first pay-per-view match ended in a draw at Ground Zero, but their next, next match was epic, which was Hell in a Cell. On October, October 5th, 1997, the two battled in the first ever Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker physically dominating the match, and just when it looked like the Phenom was close to victory, the lights went out as Paul Bearer would bring in Kane to attack the Undertaker, costing him the match. Afterwards, Bear and Kane go to the Undertaker to face Kane one-on-one, but Undertaker stood true to his word, refused to fight his own flesh and blood, causing Kane to take every superstar, every single superstar in the WWF. 1998, people thought that there was a reconciliation between the Undertaker and Kane, but we were all proven wrong. At the 98 Royal Rumble, the Undertaker faced Shawn Michaels for the title in a casket match, where Michaels charged at the Undertaker. The Undertaker threw, threw Michaels... <clears throat> Threw Michaels into the wooden casket, and that forced Michaels to be out for out of his of his first retirement for a while until 2002. Just as the dead man was close to winning the match, Michaels' friends would run down to attack the Undertaker, and then the Undertaker's brother Kane would make the save for him. Just as Kane cleared the ring, he attacked his brother and choked Sandman into the casket, slamming the lid. Afterwards, Kane and Paul Bearer set the Undertaker's casket on fire with Undertaker in it. But when officials opened up the casket, the Undertaker was not in there. The Undertaker had vanished, but he returned on March 2nd, 1998 to break his vow to challenge his brother Kane to a match at WrestleMania 14. At WrestleMania, WrestleMania the, Undertaker, the Undertaker defeated Kane in a hard-fought, grueling match by delivering three tombstones in which Kane kicked out of the 
first two. And Unforgiven, which actually this was the one that was held in my neck of the woods here in Greensboro, the two brothers would face off again in an inferno match with the Undertaker defeating Kane once more. Afterwards, the Undertaker was growing frustrated and managed a championship match in December of 98, but a no rivalry would stop him from getting the belt. Undertaker would rekindle his feud with Mankind, and the two would face off at the 98 King of the Ring at Hell in Cell. This match was the most infamous with the Undertaker throwing Mankind not once but twice inside the Hell in the Cell. Afterwards, Undertaker would actually assist Kane in winning the title against Stone Cold Steve Austin. But, of course, the next night, Austin would win the title back against Kane. Undertaker and Austin, as an odd couple, won the tag team titles that fully loaded over Kane and Mankind. The two would face off at SummerSlam 98 for the title with Undertaker losing to Austin. Taker then reformed an alliance with his brother Kane by orders of Vince McMahon. The three were involved in a master plan to take the belt away from Stone Cold Steve Austin and Breakdown. And at Breakdown, they succeeded. The two would face off for the title of Judgment Day with Undertaker turn on Kane and rejoin with Paul Bear. And this was the first time the Undertaker had turned heel since 1992. The Undertaker announced that Paul was back with him to join him in his ministry of darkness. The feud between Taker and Austin continued with Undertaker costing Austin the belt and also attempting to embalm him and also crucifying him with the symbol. At Buried Alive, Austin would defeat Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. Taker would return in 1999 to lead his ministry of darkness, bringing in the Acolytes, Midian, Viscera, and the Brood. The group would also feud with Vincent Mann's corporation where the Phenom made threats, of course, to Vince's daughter, Stephanie, which would slowly start to turn Vince's face at Backlash, Undertaker would abduct Stephanie McMahon and force him to marry him in a black wedding. As Taker was ready to make Stephanie his bride, Stone Cold would make the save for Stephanie. Then Shane announced that he was the mastermind behind the Undertaker's abduction to Stephanie, and the two groups merged into the corporate ministry. On May 23, 1999, on Owen Hart's death, Taker would reclaim the title for the third time, defeating Stone Cold. Two weeks later, Vincent Mann would be the mastermind as he was, of course, the higher power that would actually screw Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, as we said, all along. At the 9-9 King of the Ring, Taker would successfully defend the title against The Rock. That would drop the title to Austin the next night on Raw. It would lose again to Austin at Fully Loaded. Taker would then team up with the Big Show, the two allies, to defeat Kane and X-Pocket at SummerSlam 1999 to win the tag team titles. But they would play a back-and-forth title switch with The Rock and Mankind, and then after Words on September 23rd, 1999, the Undertaker refused to participate in a casting match against Triple H and immediately walked out. In reality, Undertaker took some time off to heal from some injuries. In 2000, he returned to the WWF with a new look. No longer wore the funeral dirges, scary music. This was still the Undertaker, a different side of the Undertaker as he, of course, was driving a motorcycle to the ring. And the Undertaker's new change of gimmick, he was feed with the McMahons, Triple H, Kurt Angle, his brother Kane, and others as well. At WrestleMania 17, he extended his undefeated streak to 9-0, defeating Triple H. In 2001, the Undertaker was a local point feuding with WCW and ECW and the Alliance. He feuded with DDP when DDP was stalking the Undertaker's wife, Sarah. At SummerSlam, he and Kane would defeat DDP and Kane to win the WWF Tag Team titles in a steel cage match. The Alliance invasion angle ended in the fall of 2001 with WWF defeating WCW and ECW Survivor Series. The Undertaker turned heel once more in 2001 and referred to himself as Big Evil. Taker donned a new haircut as well. At Vengeance, he captured the hardcore title of defeating RVD, but would lose the title to Maven in February of 2002. At WrestleMania 18, he defeated Ric Flair to extend his streak to 10-0. 
and the brand extension Undertaker was part of the Raw brand. And on Judgment Day 2002, he would win his fourth title, defeating Hulk Hogan once again. But afterwards, he immediately turned face after showing respect to the superstars. Taker would lose the title to The Rock at Vengeance and then head to the SmackDown brand, feeding with Brock Lesnar for the title and were left in him inside Hell in a Cell. In 2003, Undertaker would feed with the Big Show after the Big Show had put him out of action. At WrestleMania, he defeated Big Show in A Train to keep the streak to the left of the mold. Afterwards, he would then feud with John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Vince McMahon. The Undertaker had grown tired of McMahon's disrespects and antics that he wanted to face him in a buried alive match. At the 2003 Survivor Series, the Undertaker had the match well in hand, but Kane would appear and attack the Undertaker, helping McMahon win the match. The Big Evil era was over with. Kane had claimed that he had killed the Undertaker, but the 2004 Warrior Rumble, as Kane was dominating the match, the lights went out as the Undertaker's gong sounded, distracting King long enough to be eliminated. The mind games continued all the way up to WrestleMania 20. The Phenom Maze returned to the dark side with Paul Bearer back at his side, defeating Kane, who, of course, extended his streak to 11 and 0. But Undertaker, Undertaker would bury Paul Bearer in cement, citing him as a weakness. In the fall of 04, the Phenom chased after the title many times, but failed to win it again. At WrestleMania 21, he extended his streak to 13 0 by defeating the Viper Randy Orton, where the two had a long standing feud in 2005. Orton and the Dead Man traded back and forth wins with Orton winning at SummerSlam and No Mercy. And over again, the Undertaker would defeat Randy Orton in a Hell in a Cell match. In 2006, the Undertaker would then feud with more giants in the form of Mark Henry and the Great Khali, and where the Undertaker defeated Henry in a casket match at WrestleMania 22, also defeating Khali on SmackDown. In the last man standing match in 2007, he won the Royal Rumble at the number 30th entry, making him the first competitor to win at win it at number 30. At WrestleMania 23, he won the World Heavyweight title over Batista, but did not have the title for long as he was out with an injury allowing Edge to win the belt. The Phenom returned in 2007 to try to reclaim the World Heavyweight title, feuding with the likes of Edge and Batista. WrestleMania 24, the dead man regained the World Heavyweight title once more, defeating Edge. The Edge's then fiance, Vicky Guerrero, would ban the submission hold and strip the Undertaker of the World Heavyweight title. In June, Vicky Guerrero forced Undertaker to leave the WWE after Edge defeating him to win the World title. But he would be brought back by Guerrero after Edge had cheated on her with the wedding planner Alicia Fox at SummerSlam. The dead man defeated Edge in a Hell in a Cell match, but still had unfinished business with Vicky Guerrero as well. He would begin a feud in 2009 with the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, with Michaels winning a match challenging the streak against Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. This was cited as the best match of 2009 and the best match of WrestleMania history, with the Phenom defeating Shawn Michaels. Both men took time off but returned in December with the Undertaker looking for the World Heavyweight title again. At Hell in a Cell, he defeated CM Punk in a Hell in a Cell match to win the World Heavyweight title. But, but, the, but the feud with Michaels would continue. Michaels making a challenge for the dead man at WrestleMania 26. The Undertaker said no. At Elimination Chamber, Michaels cost Undertaker the World Heavyweight title, leading to a match between the two at WrestleMania 26. The Undertaker claimed that if Michaels lost, Michaels would have to retire. Michaels would lose to the Undertaker and would be forced to retire. 2010, the Undertaker rekindled his rivalry with his brother Kane for the World Heavyweight title when Kane attacked him and put him in a vegetative state. Kane would defeat him three times. Deny a champion in Hell in a Cell and that bragging rights burying the Undertaker alive. But the Dead Man would return 2011 to feud with Triple H, where the two stared each other down and stared at the WrestleMania logo together. At WrestleMania 27, the Undertaker defeated Triple H to extend his streak to 19 0. But after the match, the Phenom didn't walk out under his own power. In 2012, he made his return to challenge Triple H, but the game said no. Taker kept going to Triple H to fight him until Triple H accepted. <clears throat> 
on, on one condition that a hell in a cell match with a dead man. Of course, shaving shaving his head and defeating Triple H in an in an, in an end of era match, hell in a cell match at 20 and 0. Finn would make sporadic appearances in 2012 and 13. He would then feed with CM Punk after CM Punk made fun of Paul after Paul Bear, of course, after he passed away. WrestleMania 29, he defeated Punk to keep the streak. 2014, he returned again to challenge Brock Lesnar for the streak. On April 6, 2014, the era had ended with one F5 and one pinfall with Brock Lesnar. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, uh, I lost it here. Hold on. Finally conquered the Undertaker streak and made a question as it would be the end of the Undertaker. After the match, the Undertaker collapsed and was taken to a nearby hospital. They returned in 2015, defeating Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31 and rekindling his speed with Lesnar, holding him responsible for breaking the streak. At SummerSlam, the dead man would beat Lesnar, but Lesnar was defeating him in, at Hell in a Cell. At the 2015 Survivor Series, he and Kane teamed up one more time, defeating Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper in a tag team match. At WrestleMania 32, he returned again to defeat Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell match. Also made some, some rare appearances in 2016 and 17. In 2017, Taker then defeated with Roman Reigns, where Reigns eliminated him from the Royal Rumble match. WrestleMania 33, Reigns defeated The Undertaker after the match. The Undertaker took it off his hat, coat, and gear, and left it in the middle of the ring. And many thought he would retire, but in 2018, he made more wrestling appearances, defeating John Cena at WrestleMania 34. Also defeated Rusev at the Greatest Warrior Rumble in a casket match, but lost to Triple H at Super Showdown and lost to DX at Crown Jewel, teaming up with Kane. In 2019, he returned to team with Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules against Shaman Man and Drew McIntyre, and did make some more appearances in 2019 at super showdown he returns a last minute last minute replacement for Rey Mysterio defeating AJ Styles in a gauntlet match he and AJ are currently slated to face off at WrestleMania 36 and John says that's all he's got for the rest of the history and birthdays here for today so John we thank you very much here sir for providing us with the rest of history and birthdays here for today and JD we once again thank you very much here for the rest of the night Let's give the number one more time here, folks. Of course, it is 10.07 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, episode 811 of WWS Revolution. Mr. WWS, Chad Hinshaw, along with the Iceman, Jared D. Duolamo, and also, of course, the human suplex machine, John Gross. Remember our live video feed tonight, ladies and gentlemen, from WWS Legacy. Be careful, of course, join us here tonight. I do see that we do have, once still, once again, here, uh, uh, and now Mr. Anthony Chobot here joined uh, Mr. Justin Lewis Fleming and also Mitt Patel, Mr. Mitt Patel. And also our good friend of ours here, of course, a fellow WWS Hall of Famer, including this, a recent member of our legacy wing of the Hall of Fame and also a master of his own Facebook groups and podcasts, of course, as well. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Captain Dave Spieler has joined us there as well. So we welcome him there as well. And I do see, I do see we have one other person that, of course, is making him, that I think he's making coming in right now yes i do see who this is right here ladies and gentlemen of course he is a 2017 uh wws hall of famer as well as of course a uh, newest member of the legacy wing of the 2020 hall of fame he is also of course known as the heartbreak kid here in the radio network circles he's also of course a contributor to wws raw radio and of course, folks, if you think it was other nickname here you got to think about of course that classic 60 sitcom happy days in which of course in which, of course, here, of course, uh, he, the, the central character went a little something, I do believe, just like this. He went, hey. 
yes, ladies and gentlemen, Fonzie's now made known to episode 811 of Revolution. Fonzie, we welcome you, of course, sir, as well. Uh, let's see here. Just I'm sure we have a, few, a bunch of uh, not that many comments about what happened last time Monday Night Raw. Seeing as how, of course, once again, it was the fanless, watered-down version, I guess we could say. Uh, <clears throat> John pretty much is just going to go ahead and get his out of the way here. Pretty much insane. John said Raw wasn't really good in his eyes. Basically, of course, he didn't have really have any comments on the show at all whatsoever. Uh, Fonzie, any, any uh, of course, thoughts that you have about uh, about what happened last night here on Raw? Mm. Uh, can AJ shut his fucking mouth for once? Yeah. Uh, no, he can't. But uh, the only good match was the first match of the of the night. It last twenty minutes. Uh, so, yeah, no comments after that. That's all. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, that Fonzie there indeed. And JD, of course, we're going to continue to save your uh, we're save the icebreaker moments for the time being. I'm sure you don't really have a whole lot to mention about last night's Raw, but whatever you have to say, sir, please go ahead and bring it here to our attention. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a little bit of half of it right now. I mean, I'm gonna do a half of it now, and then the other half tomorrow. Hold on a second. I'm right back. Okay. And I guess JD had to go change the diapers. So we'll get back to <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he'll be back here in just a few, be back here in just a few moments. I did actually catch one or two moments here, right fast here, uh, folks. And I will mention one thing that really caught my eye that I guess kind of was kind of probably, I guess you could, could consider it's probably the best, the, probably one of the best moments was obviously, of course, when Shayna Baser was talking to Charlie. Cool. I think it was Charlie Caruso last night. Yeah, and Charlie. Yeah. She, yeah. And Charlie, Caruso was, Charlie Caruso looked like she was scared out of her mind. Um, I, she yes, she was. She was shaking his <laughs> Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Jeez. Surprisingly enough, from behind, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But what got me was that surprisingly enough, Becky Lynch came out and came and got her from behind and got her, whacked her. I mean, not just hit her. I mean, she just literally, and you can hear it too. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. I'm back. Okay. All right, JD, please, uh, please go ahead. Okay, I'm back. Uh, like I said, yeah, last night was a very interesting show, shall we say? However, I mean, a lot of interesting elements. However, like I said, how it went down. However, mind you, as far as that goes. However, uh, like Fonzie said, however, we saw AJ Styles. Not only to shut his yap, however, uh, the Undertaker, and now we're going to see a boneyard match, however, between the two of them, him and the dead man, of course, at WrestleMania. The question is, how? what did they uh, watch old WCW Great American Bash 2000, Vampiro and Stain to get that idea and catch it from Vince Russo? Or is Vince Russo writing television again, and especially in WWE, because apparently... Kevin Dickback, Douchebag, Dunn, Bucky the Beaver Tooth himself, Howard, Paul Heyman, the rest of the writing staff, Jeff Jarrett, Abyss, and whoever else is writing the goddamn writing on Monday Night Raw every week, Howard, whether it's Jamie Noble, Jason Jordan, Devon Dudley, or whoever, Howard, is writing the same old crap over and over again. I mean, did we really need to see that announcement, Howard, take place, Howard, last night on Monday Night Raw? 
I mean, what's more, do we need to see, of course, Angel Garza, Andrade, and Selena Vega, Mrs. Aleister Black, announce they're going to take on the Street Profits of the Tag Titles, and yet, at the same time, beat the two people that Vince McMahon apparently continues to love to bury, Howard, because she shows how much of a racist, bigoted piece of shit Vince really is, and Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, or Ricochet, if you will. This was a good match, but once again, Howard, apparently Vince loves to have people like Angel Garza, one guy from NXT, and Andrade seen almost Mr. Charlotte Flair soon to be, however, along with Selena Vega, suck his ass and blow him every chance they get, however, because basically, however, they're getting a big push right now, and they haven't taken the belt off of Andrade yet for the U.S. title, which is so stupid since he's been the U.S. champion a long time, however, it just doesn't make sense that he still has the U.S. belt at all. Then, of course, we have the Street Profits win an easy-peasy match against Shane, Th- against Shane Thorne, formerly of him and, him and Tino Sabatelli, I guess, and some other jobber. And speaking of Aleister Black, he won an easy-peasy match against the jobber inside of a minute. Yeah, three matches inside of an, a three-hour show, Howard. Plus, you had to all go way back to Royal Rumble 2015 to show the triple threat between Cena, Lesnar, and uh, um, Rollins. And then, of course, you had Charlotte and Oscar from a couple of years ago, too. And then, of course, we saw what happened, speaking of the women, when Shayna Baszler was about to do an interview with Charlotte Crusoe when she got waffled in the back, did Shayna, by my girl, Becky Lynch, the man. And, of course, Shayna took it the wrong way, however. And by taking it the wrong way, I mean she probably sold it the wrong way or didn't really uh, do anything to impress me here and get this match even more pumped up for WrestleMania. Yeah, once again, Raw was a very lackluster show. The ratings showed, however, with a 147, almost a 1.5, which was absolutely pathetic beyond words. Uh, we know that SmackDown, of course, coming up this week is going to have The Miz and Morrison versus uh, waiting to see who will face no, the No, no, the winner. The win- they'll face the winner of the Usos New Day match. I mean, do we really need to see this feud continue? I mean, what is this, Bruce Pritchard, you stupid senile bastard? I mean, what is it with you and your stupid writing, just like Kevin Dunn on the Raw site? Why are we seeing the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle over and over and over and over and over again every freaking week? Seriously. I mean, we've seen enough of Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns for the last six months, almost three-quarters of a year. We've seen enough of the freaking New Day Usos feud, however. I'm surprised Heavy Machinery hasn't been given an opportunity to fight for the titles yet or even go after the belts yet, however, even though they had their chances last week. But again, it just goes to show how much of a senile, racist, bigoted piece of shit Vince McMahon really is. And he doesn't give a damn about anyone but himself. And it showed here again last night. Like I said, we didn't have our first match basically for the night until about, I think it was like 9.30, almost 20, 10 quarter to 10. Yeah, that just goes to show you how much of a stupid piece of crap and scumbag that really Vince McMahon is. Go figure. I mean, next week, however, supposedly we're going to have probably maybe Drew McIntyre on the show after Lesnar and Heyman were there cutting a promo to start the show, even though there was no McIntyre. And I imagine they're going to continue to build up that match, which, of course, they're supposed to tape supposedly tomorrow or Thursday, maybe at the Performance Center already for WrestleMania, since they're doing eight matches each hour on both nights. Hour. They're going to already have it on a tape delay, probably, because they'll probably tape it Friday, along with next week's SmackDown, however, and it'll air next Monday and the following Friday just to give people hype up for WrestleMania. Oh, goody. Just goes to show you how a stupid, 
stupid piece of crap Vince really is, Heller, and how much common sense he really has. And now we're hearing all of a sudden that basically, however, they're going to be apparently canceling AEW possibly tomorrow night along with NXT because the governor of Florida, I don't know if we can confirm it or not, we'll have to check on that here in a few minutes, that apparently there is telling everyone in the state of Florida that they're going to be shut down. Go figure. So once again, it just goes to show you how they're not playing with a full deck, however, if you will, but uh, go figure. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But yeah, overall, Howard just continues, however, to be an absolute joke, however. And it wasn't worth watching. But I ended up watching, and I'm sorry I did, Howard. It just pained me. Pained me beyond words to even watch it. And like I said, Howard, I'm looking here at the, uh, like I said, the Raw Reigns report, Howard. I mean, this is so funny, Howard. I mean, last week's show, Howard, let's see, hold on a second. Uh, Last week they did a 165, which was surprisingly Interesting, but this was the lowest rated show of the year since December 23rd last year. The prior lower rating was back in November, and yet they do a 147, almost a 1.5. That's sad. That is really, really sad. I mean, had they been live in Fort Worth, however, Texas, like they were supposed to be, maybe they could have done a little bit better, however. Maybe they could have gone up a little bit. But now the question is, how is SmackDown going to fare? Well, I'll tell you how SmackDown's going to fare, and I hope everyone's listening because you're going to love hearing this, however. We have the SmackDown on Fox viewership for the week, however. And it is, dun-dun-dun-dun! 2.569 apparently went up a little because of stupid Rob Gronkowski and his boyfriend, Mojo Ratboy Raleigh, or a little rancid Raleigh, however, hyping up, however, that he'll be the special guest host for the two-night extravaganza of WrestleMania. Oh, goody. So, yeah, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, this is just turned out to be one sad situation after another here. Uh, and of course, like I said, what we've got pretty much everybody in the entire tizzy right now is once again this infamous uh, coronavirus situation. And all I got, all we got to say about that. Folks, oh, is, JD. Yeah. And this is this is oh. Uh, I think tomorrow night is live because they showed it Monday night the the commercial think uh triple h will be live at the uh, performance center and tony uh thomas chiapa and johnny gargana are gonna uh yeah i might be suspended yeah yeah i heard suspended or or uh fined Fined. they did yeah oh uh, i imagine i think they're gonna get both i mean i think they're gonna get fined find and suspend after what they did last week. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. absolutely crazy what they did last <laughs> week. And like I said, it was, yeah. it was it, it, you know what it reminded me of? And I mean, Chad will probably agree with me if he saw the clip and I know Fonz, you saw it too. It reminded me a lot of the street fight between Mick Foley and The Rock at halftime heat back in 99. Yeah, so it was yeah. There. It was like a no holds bar. They yeah. were throwing everything at each other. They tried to get separated <laughs> from some of the talent some of the and some of the uh, uh, people in the main uh, part of the gym, whether it be the talent or some of the trainers, and it was like no whole part. Yeah. It was absolutely a mm-hmm. really crazy brawl. And I've been hearing a lot of things about that, but I just I still don't get why they're going to go on with the show tomorrow night. However, on both shows, and like I said, I think I said this to Chad before we came on the air. I think I told you too, but I'm, we'll have to find out Chad's, if Chad found it out or not. 
and maybe if Mick comes on too, Howard, tonight, we'll maybe confirm it. If not, we'll try to find out about this. But there is talk, however, that right now, however, they are possibly shutting down both NXT and AEW tomorrow night. I don't know about that. I don't know. Then you might as well just shut down SmackDown and Raw for WrestleMania yep. if they're going to do that. Yep, you know I agree. Saying? I agree. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And also, right here. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that that was actually. uh, Homer doing Axel F. Yeah, yeah. It it was was Homer Simpson doing his endless down to the tune of Axel F, yes. And also, by the way, Fonzie, can you excuse me for just one second? Can you turn your head for one minute, please? Thank you. Yeah, that was, that, that's actually a sound app I've got, too. All right, guys. Uh, what, what more but can we say? But let me ask you guys this. Do you think they will shut it down? In all honesty, do you think they will? If they're, shut, if they're shutting down this, if they're shutting down AEW and NXT, if they're going to put all this on the Almost put Florida on a lockdown, and this is going to be this is going to be the ultimate uh, uh, knife in the back for WrestleMania, regardless of what they try to do. Yep. Vince, and like I said, because like like I said before, Vince had his chance to actually move this to where they have like a much better much better time frame to 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 hold this, so that way they can they would be able to guarantee uh, you know fan base and everything like that. But no, 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 no. Oh no 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 no! He wanted he wanted it. He wanted it at the same time he advertised it and all that because you know he's actually. If you remind me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you two guys saw the Avengers back in 2012. I saw bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You you remember what Loki said to those people in Germany? This is what he said right here. Yeah, that's exactly what Vince McMahon is telling that all the WWE universe to do, because like I said, he's not going regardless of what anybody asks him to do or, or what have you. He's he's not going to, you know, and I, and and also and of course there's only one thing that uh, if I was in Vince McMahon's face, I would say this right here, guys. By the way, yes, sir, you're an asshole. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so that's I all I've got to say. say that right now because, I mean, it's, it's a given. I mean, he is being an asshole. I mean, like we said, Hunter has talked to him. I'm sure Stephanie and Linda have talked to him. Even Shane probably has talked to him. Say, Dad, and like, Dad, and then Linda's like, Honey, think, and, and like, think some common sense here, especially now, like I said, with this whole Dana Brooke Ray Mysterio thing. You know, he's got to think internationally. Is he thinking that way? No, he's not. He's got no. He's got two of his two of his key two of his key stars, who the fans would consider two of his key stars, under quarantine right now because of all this. He knew that this uh-huh. was coming, and that you know, he had a unique opportunity here to make history by moving it up a little bit and maybe even putting it like on a day where like some people are going to get out and be able to do things and all that. I mean, I'm sure that I'm just like I'm sure like everybody else here, he wasn't expecting this thing. The, the kick in the high gear like it has. But as I said before, 
this just came this just came upon us all of a sudden everybody was making even though we're not all big fans of it i'm sure but everybody but like i said everybody was 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 having to at the last possible minute having to make a change the only person that apparently didn't 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 have enough had the patience enough to actually do that and actually think about you know the fans if he says he cares about them that you know obviously is Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon like I said you know if he doesn't have his way he's going he's going to cry, cry like a baby someone's going to go get him a bottle of milk and, and breastfeed him or whatever because like I said he's going to get his way no matter how many no matter how many no matter how many times you try to reason so the thing about it is he's let me tell you something what he's done here and and John mentioned something similar to this when he was talking about by the way, happy birthday once again to the Undertaker. By the way, we have to say happy birthday once uh, again. Yes, I will go ahead and say this in, in, in Undertaker vernacular, if you will. He's pretty much buried his own, dug up his own grave. Now he's going to have to bury himself in it. There, there you go. I mean, that's all I can say about it. That's all we all can say about it. But guys, here's the. Here's the okay. Go ahead, Bonnie. Uh, here's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know why they have no, it's not going to have anybody. I, I'm surprised. Here's the thing. I'm surprised that the McMahon's family turned on 75 million to go to Saudi Arabia and do, I, I, I would have did two shows. That wasn't real anything. Yeah, but if if they would accept it, here's the thing. They will accept it. You can't leave the country. You can't go out of of state. You know what I'm saying? I'm surprised he turned down $75 If this stuff would never happen, honestly, I think he would have. Take the seventy-five million and probably do two night show at Saudi Arabia or Australia. I like to see doing Australia because you know, but you can't leave the country. That's the thing. You can't. I I, I don't think leave the state. You're right. You're right right away, though, Fonzie. But I don't think he was taking it. I don't see it. I would not see it happen. I don't think. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. He never did it. He never took it. But before this whole thing happened, I don't think they would. He would have taken the offer if they gave it to him to go to Saudi Arabia or Australia. He would not have jumped on it. I guarantee it. No way in hell. Mm -mm. Um, This stuff would never happen. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a rumor that didn't. It was never existed anyhow. So. No, I know, but I'm just saying (laughs) that there was. If it was a true, whatever it is, <laughs> this yeah, is what the fans this, are saying right now about yeah. Mania. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we we pretty much know what the fans think. Okay. They they they're cause 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 we're 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 in Okay, and also, and then so that way, on on the one last note about all this, this is the one. This is I'm sure a lot of people are saying this too. After this, I'd like to go ahead and do our 
blast from the past, guys. I got I'm it all set ready. Go, okay. go ahead. I'm ready. I'm tired of talking this about this shit anymore. But, <laughs> and, but, anyway, but anyway, anyway, this is this is what a lot of people are probably saying right now. No, that's not it. Hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll tell you. Just hold on. Just a minute. Not that too. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm sure he. There, there are a lot of people are telling uh telling Vincent Man to do this. Also, by the way, they're also telling him to kiss up their the kiss there. There, there you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and get right to it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, yeah. our WWS Wrestling Pay Per View Extravaganza Blast from the Past. Uh, these guys have definitely enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it, and we're going to continue on doing it. Uh, we left off. We're going back to the last list we were working on last week. You know, before we get didn't chance, we got kind of veered off after talking about, of course, the moment where Stone Cold was announced as the ref at WrestleMania 23, uh, and talking about other things here as well. Let's go ahead and get right back to the matches here, JD. I'll go ahead and start uh, start with you once again, and ask you, of course, about what match we're going to use to start things off here with. We go to Monday Night Raw. August 16th, 2004. Chris Benoit versus Randy Orton. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, this was the night after Orton became the youngest. This was actually the night after SummerSlam 04. And if you remember, this was the night in Toronto, how that Orton became the youngest, youngest heavyweight champion in history at the time, how against the guy, however, who had held the belt since early March, however. And for him to lose it, however to Orton in Canada. A lot of people, especially in Toronto, in Gerard's neck of the woods, that was crazy at the time. I think it was at the Arcana Center, the Maple Leaf, uh, yeah, it was the Arcana Center, which is now known as the Scotia Blank place, however, I think. But yeah, at the time when it happened, a lot of people did not see that happen, however. Like I said, see it coming, however, like I said, especially after what went down the night before at SummerSlam. But yeah, when Orton won the title that night, the night after SummerSlam 04, a lot of people were surprised to see Benoit give up the title, however, that quickly. Like I said, we saw what had happened the night before, however, in Toronto. But the next night, however, uh, was very, very interesting. Like we said, however, we saw what happened, however, because Orton actually won the title that night, however, and of course Benoit demanded a rematch, however, the following night, however. I mean, think about it. Randy at the time was, I think, 22, 23 years old at the time and had become the youngest heavyweight champion at the time, let's see, 2004. Yeah, 24 years old. And that was 15 years ago. I mean, go figure. I mean, he uh, has won, uh, I think he's won the championship, uh, I'm thinking 12 times, I want to say. Let me think. WWE World Heavyweight Champion once, WWE Champion I think 13, J.D. 13, 13 or 14, so you talk about a guy who continues, I mean, despite all the controversy, despite all the shenanigans he has pulled mm -hmm. off, I mean, has done, however, I mean, go figure, in, both in and out of the ring, however, he doesn't care, yeah. he does not care, and mm -hmm. uh, at one point, however, I mean, he has definitely done a lot of controversy, if you will, however, mm -hmm. over the years, however, and he doesn't care who you are and how you are, and think about it, his birthday's coming up in a few weeks, he'll be in the big 4-0 very soon. Uh, in fact, I think next week, if I'm not mistaken. But that being said, he, uh, despite all the controversy and all the shenanigans and all the tomfoolery and all the craziness, however, that's happened, however, he will go down as one of the toughest uh, guys, however, to be a third-generation wrestler. I mean, he got it from his father, the ace. He also got it from his uncle, 
if you remember, however, who uh, didn't do much, I think, and that was Barry O, if I remember correctly. And, uh, yeah, so he has done a lot, let's just say. It has been very interesting. Cool. Fonzie, your take about this match, Raw from August uh, 16th, 2004, uh, World Heavyweight title match, Benoit versus Orton. Yeah, this was, you could say this was the classic match that everyone, everyone, anyone wants to see. If Chris Benoit was alive, I think this, um, I, if he was, if Chris Benoit was alive today, I would have loved to see the classic match again between Chris Benoit and RKO, Randy K, Keith Wharton. Um, yeah, but uh, AJD, do you think yep. right now, yep. do you think he is the all-time best? He's, uh, the top four, actually, of the, the, the raw history, WWE history? Oh, I think, think so. I mean, being with his 13 reigns, yes, I do. Despite the controversy, yes, I do, because he's held the belt yeah. nine times. I mean, he's a member of Evolution. I mean, he learned from the yeah. best, like I said, with Triple H and also uh, Ric Flair. Yeah, like you said, he was a pompous ass. We know that. <laughs> I mean, that's a freaking given. Yeah. But like I said, him yeah. and Batista both came in. I mean, you go back and watch that Ruthless Aggression DV, uh, special on the network. I mean, there was a lot of guys that came up around 2000, 2001. You had, like I said, Orton, you had Batista, you had Sheldon Benjamin, you had Lesnar, you had Cena coming from Ohio Valley. I mean, they were big, mm-hmm. big studs then down there. And when they came up to the yeah. roster, power, yeah, some of them really took it took them a while to get their feet wet. But at the end of the day, some of them have been successful, some of them haven't been successful, like I said. And uh, I will say, however, like I said, he, he he's in he's in the top five. There's no question about it. I would say, but yeah. at the same time, there are times how he comes off as an arrogant ass. I mean, probably one of his best matches, and I'm gonna. If it's okay, I got a match of his that you guys are going to like. I think everyone remembers this because it's okay. I got a great match to talk about him in 04 that you're going to like to hear after this. But, yeah, he's definitely one of the toughest guys out there, no doubt about it. Uh, John, if you're still on, um, your thoughts about this match, uh, Benoit versus Orton from Raw, August 16, 2004. I don't even know. If, I don't think John is really. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, JD took it right into JD. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if John is even. I don't even know if he was looking for him, but he may have popped hey, By the way, did you guys hear about Rusev? No, what, what happened now? He was actually really cool. He pledged $20,000 of his own money to help fellow WWE employees without income. Classy yeah. act there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, in this time of need here, I think even, of course, you know, people are helping each other out. People are helping each other out. There's no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of, of course, along these about around these same lines here, we're gonna go. We're gonna stay on Monday Night Raw, and we're gonna stay in. We're gonna have a or talk about another World Heavyweight Title match from Monday Night Raw. This time, May night. 2003 Triple H versus Ric Flair. JD, your thoughts, please. Ric Flair versus Triple H, you said? 
Yes, May 19th, 2003. Yeah, yeah this was in Greenville. This was in Greenville, actually. I remember this, actually. This was actually a, one of the best matches of 03 in Raw history. You didn't see what happened after... You saw what happened after the camera stopped rolling when Hunter paid homage to Flair in his home in, 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 in Greenville. And of course, Greenville, we all know, and most of the South Tower was always horseman country, whether it be Greenville, Charlotte, uh, Asheville, Raleigh, Charlotte. I mean... Like I said, Savannah, making Greensboro, definitely, yep, Greensboro, definitely, Winston-Salem. I mean, the Carolinas are his backyard, you know, and uh, Hunter, of course, made him look good that night. I mean, that was one of the better main events in Raw history, if you remember. That was uh, uh, probably, uh, out of the first 10 years of Raw, that was one of the best moments in Raw history in the first 10 years. I can go back and watch that again and again. In fact, that's on the definitive Ric Flair collection, and they show what happened after the camera stopped rolling because you had a bunch of guys show up like Austin, Batista, Tommy Dreamer, I think it was there, Stephanie, Vince. They all came out from Gorilla to pay homage to Flair. And it was it was definitely a feel good moment and a very emotional night in raw history, however, in Greenville for Flair. No doubt. Oh my God. And obviously and obviously no doubt Triple H and I think Bubba Ray Dudley actually put the flare on their shoulders and he held the Yes they did. Yes they did. Yeah. He put he put the he put the strap Hunter put the strap on his shoulder and then they lifted him up. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean it was and everybody of course, like I said, was sitting around drinking a beer and everything like that. So I thought that was uh I thought that, I thought that was a class act. Uh you know, even even Kevin Nash stood out there telling everybody to come on back down, you know, so let's so that we can know and, and they sure, certainly did. Fonzie, your thoughts here, May nineteenth, two thousand three, Monday Night Raw, Flair versus Flair World Title Match. Yeah, this was awesome. <laughs> this was a classic. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. I don't know if John has left us or John. I think John is still here, but he might have probably stepped away. So we'll hopefully get back to him and talk about some of these matches in a moment. In the meantime, let's pause ours for just one moment because I wanted to get a, a few more out of the way before before the night's out because I've got a bunch of them that I've been gathering up over the last couple of days. I definitely want to start reading out throughout the week here. But, J.D., right. I think you, you had one in mind. Let's go ahead and see which, which one you've got, please. You talked about 04. Let's go back to Randy again. This time, Randy Orton versus Mick Foley backlash 04. The no holds barred match. Yeah. 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 That was a. That was a. That was a, That was truly, like I said, a classic. Of course, I mean, this feud had been going on here, and then, of course, uh, you know, that of course. I think. I think. I think their feud is that legend versus legend killer. Basically, is what that's yeah. what, I, what I remember. This what, what, what it was. It was, a, it was a very, very. You're right. It was a very good match. Very intense. Yeah. In fact, that's on the nice. That's on the <laughs> Rick Flair DVD. Uh, of Randy Orton DVD. However, uh, Evolution of a Predator. And uh, you know what, blood in that match. That was almost like an ECW old school match. It was so intense. I mean, and so crazy to say the least. However. I can remember that match like it was yesterday. I mean, I was, I didn't watch it on paper, but when I watched it on the Randy Orton DVD, however, the first of his two DVDs that came out, the one of the Evolution of Predator, I just, it's like, man, that was so intense. You could see at one point, I guess, the barbed wire baseball bat split Randy's head open to the point where he was like bleeding like a fountain. Right. It was crazy. Uh, well, um, well, I think, I think JD. Nice, some nice summing up there about that. Fonzie, your your take about this 
This match here brought up by JD, of course, uh, Orton versus Mick Foley backlash of 2004. Yeah, this was, uh, this was classic. I could agree with JD on that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this, this, this is a gassy version of Revolution. Everybody here just has been belching and farting for that the whole shit. <laughs> I'm the only one not doing it though. Yeah, yeah you will you, you you will be after you get off this. <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, but the nice choice here, JD. Nice choice indeed. Um let me go back to let's go back to a couple more here I've got. And Fonzie, just think of think of an actual one if you if you have one in mind, why I'll I'll throw out oh, some I more. Do. I do. Uh, I oh, you got, oh, you got one already? Well, let's, just, let's go ahead here. Fonzie, let's see what you got. Oh, JD knows about this match. And this was in our backyard. Uh, the extreme rules at the PPG. I'm a Kurt Angle. Um, that mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to. I had it. Oh, uh, not that one. That's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that the champion Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura and. I remember uh, I was just watching this. Probably JD was there. I think he was. I think uh, yeah. If, if I remember correctly, this yeah, match probably. this match was like not even a second in, and uh, Shinsuke was in your new United States champion. Yep. You remember well, that, remember. JD? Yeah, I do. I remember that. Yep, I do. <laughs> well, I was there. Hello, I blow right before now. the bell ring. Hello, yep. blow before the bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, sir. Yeah, it was I I was there. He's right. It, it was a pretty good match for the most part. I do recall that how I now look at Shinsuke fast forward the clock now. He's with Cesaro. He's with uh General Zolo, Sami Zayn, however. And of course we got that match coming up this week on SmackDown. If there is gonna be a match between him and Drew Gulak and the winner of course, however, this if uh Gulak wins, however, then Daniel Bryan is going to be taking on Sammy. Sammy has to defend his IC town instead of being a punk little bitch that he is, basically, hiding under Cesaro and uh, uh, Shinsuke's skirt, how, uh, Shinsuke's outfit, if you will, however. Go figure. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. So, nice, not, nice job there, fine. Guys, thank you very much. And, and like I said, during, during mine, if you have a couple, one or two, just, just let me know before I get started, but let's, let's get to a few more that I've got right here. Because a lot of these are really classic ones, really older. Some are older, some are not as old, but there's some are good. Next one right here, I don't know, I don't think we've already talked about this one. <clears throat> I'm looking back at my notes and we haven't. We go, we're talking about, speaking of WrestleMania, we're going to go back to WrestleMania 19, of course, held, of course, in Seattle back in 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And of course, this this is the this is I think the last classic encounter between two of the greats of the Attitude Era, in my personal opinion, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. JD, your thoughts here, please. Uh, 
JD. JD. Uh, JD, are you still there? I am here. Okay. Stone Cold versus The Rock at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19. Yeah, the final showdown between these two. Very, very good match. Howard, not as good as, I mean, not, not, I mean, you had two of the three that were pretty darn good, however. The first one in 15 was not too bad, however. However, like I said, however, it was okay. But the other two that were really good, 17 was awesome because we saw what happened at the end. 19 to close down Seattle. We know what happened after that match. Apparently, Austin, I believe, before the match, I think they said he almost had a heart attack or a panic attack the night before this. And he wasn't even sure if he would be able to fight Rock the next day. I mean, he was. He talks about this, I think, in one of his DVDs, and he talked about it also, I think, with a couple other people uh, on uh, like a different... Uh, podcast and even his own however he said that he was just so worked up however the day of the match however i mean he didn't know if he could he what would happen i mean they didn't even tell him I mean, he was unsure if they were going to make him win however and uh or if the rock was going to win again i mean he was really just just stressed and shook up and just really uh totally uh just Really, I wouldn't say out of touch or sink, however, but he just really seemed to be really just uh, completely uh, just distraught and really worried about what was going to happen. He could not tell uh, what was going to happen then. Uh, and, and John does, and John's back on. He does agree with JD of, of, of uh, your assessment, JD, of the Rock Stone Cold match from WrestleMania 19. Fonzie, your thoughts about this match? Uh, yeah. This was back to fourth match, and yeah, I uh, this was a shocking thing when um, like like JD said about you know, almost you know with Stone Cold would happen to him. I'm surprised you. He was still alive today, actually, you know. But, uh, yeah, this was a good match. Indeed, indeed. John, did you have a match that you wanted to talk about here? I mean, just an, an actual one that, that comes to mind. Uh, J.D. and Fonte has had a, a, a thought here, but do you have one you wish to mention? And while you're thinking about one, let, let me go to another one right here. Oh, John says he had it. Okay, John, go ahead. Let's see what you got here. Ooh, okay. Okay, he also actually brought, John brought this up in the wrestling history tonight, that on this date, WrestleMania 7 took place in 91. Uh, and actually, one of the matches from WrestleMania 7, he actually mentioned here, it was the, of course, what they, what they called it at the time, the retirement match, but it was technically a career match. The Ultimate Warrior versus the Macho King, Randy Savage. Um, John, you picked the match. Your thoughts about it here first, please. John says it was an unbelievable match. <clears throat> what? Anything else, sir, John, you wish to mention? Okay, John said that's it right there. JD, your thoughts about this one right here? 
Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania 7. This was a good match, I remember, however, and actually, however, it does not get enough credit that it should get, however, you know, because Warrior had that match the year before in Toronto with Hogan in the main event, and then this, of course, uh, led Macho to take a break for a while, however, to do commentary, however, and not wrestle that much, however, and I think he kind of missed being in the ring a little bit, however, after this, however, but this was one of the few good moments that Warrior had, however, but uh, as we all know, uh, Warrior, of course, would uh, continue to be up and down over the course of the next little while, however, before heading out, however, WWE, and of course, uh, doing his own thing. But uh, this was one of Savage's good moments in the 90s. I mean, like I said, he had had some good matches in the 80s, of course. We all know about the infamous match in Mania 3. We all know what happened in Mania 5, of course, with Hogan. Uh, Mania 6, however, he didn't do really great of a match, but he would have, of course, a couple great more moments in the 90s. Of course, this was one of them. The next year, he would have another good one, however. But by the time Mania 9 rolled around, however, I think he was really was just wanting to slow down a little bit because he had been in the business for quite a while, going back to his days in Memphis when he was in the territory down there with Jerry Jarrett and Waller and all those guys, however, who came up with Memphis and, like, Jimmy Hart, I think King Kong Bundy and those guys. But nevertheless, I mean, he yes. did have some interesting moments, however, in his career. And this is one of his finest moments here in uh, L.A., however, because this was actually the match, to me, one of the two matches that was uh, that really saved WrestleMania 7. I'm not saying Hogan and Sergeant Hart was a bad match. It was a pretty decent, all-right, fair match. But again, this was one of the better matches of Mania 7. It actually kind of saved the show in one of the more underrated matches that people didn't give credit to. Oh, by the way, the one between the one talk you're talking about between Slaughter and Hogan, they actually had posted something on YouTube. I think with WWE posted something of Hogan and Slaughter actually talking about that match. Yeah, and they, showing, and, they, and they showed, I think, on Sunday, actually, a replay of the uh, Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels ladder match from Mania 10, too, from MSG. But this was, like I said, this is right here, like I said, I mean, Hogan and Slaughter had a lot to talk about during that match. Oh, yeah, too. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah. About okay, JD. Uh, Ponzi, your thoughts about the match? John just posted here Warrior, Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage from WrestleMania 7. This was in 1991. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You good? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, JD had to step away for a moment. So, Ponzi, I'll go to you first and ask you about this one if you. And we're going to go back a little. We're going to go back a little bit ways here. I go up from what John just mentioned, but it'd be, we would still go a little bit backwards. And I'll try to um, keep it as clear as I possibly can here. Uh, um, let me see what I have here. Yes, this is from WCW Thunder, September thirtieth, nineteen September thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine, WCW Thunder. Goldberg taking on Scott Norton, who was, I think, part of the, part of the NWO at the time. Your thoughts about this? Yeah, this, is, yeah, this was, this was best, I think, one of the classic match. Because I remember this one. And it was, I think it was on TNT Live, I think. And, yeah, I remember this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have been, been TBS because Nitro was on TNT. Might have been TBS, but but yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, all right. 
Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those those networks were, are still confusing to this day, but still, we all know that. So there, uh, uh, John says this match was okay. Okay. Uh, JD, are you back with us? I got no. I guess he's not. I got a. I got another good one, uh, Chad. If, if you don't mind. If you got okay, go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I I lost it. Uh, okay. This, this, this I just saw, okay, and this was the first debut of Ronda Rousey debut oh. of wrestling, okay, and I think this, uh, it was a pay-per-view event. And she took on Nia Jax. They was money in the bank. And yeah, money in the bank. That's it. Okay. Yeah, money in the bank. Um, Nia Jax versus the first debut of Ronald Rousey. And this was the great match uh, until Alexa Bliss uh, interfered. And hit Ronda Rousey and got her out and cash in the Money in the Bank contract to win her fifth uh, women's championship. Right. And yeah, yeah, this was this one was exciting between two, you know, two individual. Uh, this was a rivalry until that, you know. In, Money in the Bank match, and that was uh, you know the debut of first debut of Ronda Rousey. Um, I I thought Ronda Rousey had that win until until uh, until Alexa Bliss cashed it in and won her fifth won her fifth title of women's. So yeah, this was the good match. Yeah. Uh, John, your thoughts about this match made up, brought up by Fonzie from Money in the Bank? I forget what year it was. Uh, I uh, I there was a. It was right before. uh, That's it's extreme. I'm gonna say probably two thousand. Something no two thousand and eight, I think. I'm not mistaken. Two thousand eight. That was two thousand eighteen, Because no. uh, Braun Strowman won his first Money in the Bank contract too that night. He climbed the ladder that night, and you know, and beat everybody, and took the. Uh, that's when. That's when. Remember KO uh, dive off from the the fifty foot ladder and dive and try to get the um, 
Yeah, it was 2018 because that's when Ronda right here was 2018. So it had to have been 2018, I think it was. I yeah, think so, yeah. 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 Hey, J.D., you probably know this one. I was just telling Chad, and, I, you know, thank God you were here. You remember Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey, her first pay-per-view event? Yeah, Royal Rumble. No, it was a Money in the Bank. You know, when she wrestled, J.D., I mean, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Money in the bank. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and right. you remember what happened? Alexa Bliss cashed it in and won her fifth women's title. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. Did I think, was it 2018, JD? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bro, that's when Do you remember that? That's when, uh, that's when uh, uh, Braun Strowman won his first Money in the Bank contract. Remember KO hit the fifty mm-hmm. foot whatever off the ladder. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, where's your opinion on that, JD? Nia yeah. Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Uh it was okay. I mean, it wasn't bad, yeah. but it could have been better. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, John has one more here, and John's he's already left us for the night, but he did have one more before I continue with a couple more matches. Um, and then, Jay, I'll bring up the one that, that uh, I was talking about to uh, J.D., to Ponzi and John while you stepped away, J.D. But let's go to John's here first, and then I'll go back to the one I was talking about so I can get J.D.'s opinion on it. <clears throat> the last one, John left us for the night. He went back to 2006. To ECW's one night stand event, as you had Rob Van Dam versus John Cena for the WWE title. What's your thoughts about that, JD? Yeah, if you remember, a lot of people at the time said if Cena won, they were going to ride in the Hammerstein Ballroom that night, if you remember. Uh, Van Dam winning made sense, however, if you will, however. Uh, like I said, however, it was uh, definitely very interesting to see how that all went, however. Like we said, however, very interesting. Uh, Assessment here, good match, and of course we all know what happened a few weeks later. Of course, however, with Paul Heyman, however, uh, what he did, however, to uh, Van Dam, however, on the Fourth of July in Philadelphia, with the Big Show, however, and screwing Rob Van Dam. But Rob Van Dam uh, had never held the ECW title. He was like basically, however, like I said, wanting to, like I said, what was I say, wanting to stay as champion, basically become the new champion. He wanted to make sure everyone knew, however. That was the one title he had never held in his life. He was sort of like Tommy Dreamer, if you remember. He had never held the big prize. He had always held the secondary title or a tag title, something like that. More often than not, the TV title was his longest reign. And he had also been a tag champion, I think, too, if I remember correctly. But uh, Van Dam captured the big prize of them all, however. I mean, that was a big, big thing for him at the time, if you remember. Indeed. Uh, and John, John also did say the ECW fans were behind RVD and they helped Van, Van Dam take away the belt from Cena. And John did say that was the last one he was doing for the night. He's already left us for the evening. So we'll talk to him, of course, tomorrow night on Revolution. Uh, John, of course, if, you, if you're listening, we thank you very much there. Uh, Fonzie, let's get your take about this. ECW one night stand from 06, RVD versus Cena for the title. Yeah, this was good. This was good. Right. Uh, there's no comment from this one. This was good. Okay. And JD, let me go back to you here about the one we're talking about right here. <clears throat> Just set the premise one more time about this. WCW Thunder, September 30th, 1999, 
Goldberg taking on Scott Norton. Two big bulls in the ring when you think about it. And Goldberg had a real tough night on that night, if you remember, going up against Flash Norton. I mean, Norton's 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", 320 to 340, big, big boy. I mean, you cannot argue, however, that Norton is a tough hombre, of course, known for his arm wrestling style and, of course, big name in Japan. Uh, very good match, however, between two big, tough heavyweights, however, but I mean, Goldberg uh, came through, however. And I can let you know about RVD real quick, however. Uh, he, of course, was the television champion once, of course. As you know, that was, of course, one of the biggest things he ever did, however. Of course, holding that belt for a record 700 days, believe it or not. Although, he, and he had 121 defenses, which is incredible in its own right. I mean, that's just an incredible stat to know about RVD. How they didn't call, And then, of course, like we said, he held the East, he's also held other belts in his career, if you will, including the TNA X Division title, the TNA World Heavyweight title, uh, the Hardcore Champion four times, the Interhonor Champion four times, 15th Triple Crown Champion, 7th Grand Slam Champion, Money in the Bank, where two-time tag team champion, once with Kane and Booker, uh, like we said, ECW Champion once, however, and like I said, uh, he, of course, uh, held the reign, I believe, like I said, for about three weeks, if I remember correctly, however, and like I said, that's when Big Show uh, basically took it off him in Philadelphia the 4th of July, a few weeks after what happened when uh, basically uh, Heyman screwed him yeah, after three weeks, however, because, because he was suspended, I think, along with Sabu. And, of course, we all know what happened there. But uh, RVD, of course, has been uh, known as Mr. Pay-Per-View, the whole effing show, uh, Mr. Monday Night, however, Mr. Pay-Per-View, I mean... Definitely a guy who, I mean, come back here twice, most popular of the year twice, 01 and 02. Ranked number one of the top Iron singles guys at Pro Wrestling Illustrated in 02. Uh, like I said, the X Division champion once, which is incredible in its own right, however. Uh, like I said, I think he held that reign for about six weeks, if I remember. So I'm going to pull up his stats here while I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, here it is, Rob Van Dam. No, 137 days, surprisingly. From October 12 to February 2013, uh, he also won the TNA Championship, if you will. However, not the X Division, but the main belt itself. Believe not, the World Heavyweight Title. However, uh, he also has done, like I said, a lot of other belts. Uh, like we said, Money in the Bank winner, European Champion once, of course, Intercontinental Champion six times, which is a, an amazing stat in itself. However, and I think his reigns total, I think, however. Uh, he's somewhat, let me see here. I think he's in the top five somewhere, combined total reigns. However, let me just take a look here real quick. Uh, da, 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 yeah, then RVD. Uh, surprisingly, however, he is ranked 25th, however, combined reigns, 211 days, however, recognized, however, combined days, recognized by W224, combined days, 211. But like I said, he's no more, however, as the television champion of ECW, because like I said, you look at all those title defenses he had. I mean, went it from Bam Bam Bigelow and then going up against guys, like I said, and teaming up with guys like Sabu, uh, Shane, uh, possibly other guys he went with. Oh, my friend's on the news right now, however. Believe me, they just showed him on the news. Nice. Uh, but yeah, you look at all the defenses he had, which is incredible. I mean, again, no one can say he was a fighting champion. You know, and plus, I mean, he's done a lot of film work also, believe it or not, but that's beside the point. Uh, to be ECW champion for 700 days, I mean, that's just amazing. Like I said, 137 title defenses. I mean, I don't think 
no one can argue how he was a true champion. I mean, he, uh, of course, is the king of the television. Yeah. Of course, right behind him is Shane Douglas with two reigns at 350. But RVD to do 137 defenses, however, during that time, like I said, he held it from April of 98 for almost two years. You know, I mean, that's pretty damn good when you think about it. Uh, he went against some of the biggest names, however, during his title reign. I mean, it didn't matter who you were. Jerry Lynn, uh, Mike Awesome, Sabu, uh, Taz, Chris Candido, Bam Bam Bigelow, Shane Douglas. You know, he went through them all, and he definitely showed why he was a true fighting champ. Okay, uh, we're going to continue a little bit more of these matches here, of course, tomorrow. Uh, y'all have some tremendous matches here tonight, and we'll We'll incorporate y'all, any more that y'all have, we'll incorporate them into the ones I have right here. But we have a bunch to talk about here. And I think with all this going on with this uh, pandemic situation going on, and of course, not a whole lot of wrestling going on, I think we might have enough to probably keep us going for a little bit here. And I'll come up with a lot more here coming up here really soon. There is one I got, story. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. And Mitch uh, says I had too matches. much folders, and he's going to win money in the bank, and he's gonna, I'm going to win a box of folders for a year. Yeah, you would want to know something about that too, Mitch. I know. Believe me. And I'll be right back. Okay. And I'm going to bring up this one quick story here before we close up for the night. We'll do some more of these tomorrow night, of course, here on Revolution, episode number 812. But uh story coming in through uh, Yahoo Finance, um, actually also through Bloomberg is what came up here this afternoon. Let's give my do thing. I do, of course, give credit to Mr. Drew Singer for bringing out this story here. As apparently Vince, talking about, we were talking about Vince McMahon here a little bit. He apparently is going to sell some WWE shares through Morgan Stanley. Hmm. Let me go ahead and read this story right here. Vince McMahon is selling part of his stake in World Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated through Morgan Stanley. People familiar with the matter have said this. The shares fell 5% in extended trading. The bank is lined up buyers on behalf of WWE's chief executive officer for 2.26 million shares at a price range of $37.75 to $38.25 each, according to what some of these folks have said. That's a discount of as much as 3.3% compared to Tuesday's closing price. The share sale follows a 40% decline in the stock this year and shutdowns of live events due, to, court, due to, to stop the spread of the infamous coronavirus. McMahon says XFL Football League also canceled the remainder of its season this past Friday. McMahon is working on, on working with an undisclosed bank to provide current li- liquidity, according to a filing on Tuesday after the market closed. McMahon can elect to settle the deal in cash and retain his full ownership of pledged shares, according to what the filing said. Of course, if you want to check this out, go to Bloomberg.com if you want to check out this story. Uh, JD, are you back with us? And he's not. Fonzie, uh, is this another des- act of desperation on part, part of Vince McMahon having to do with, uh, of course, WWE here? I mean, is this a sign of some things to come here, possibly? Mm. I'm surprised that, you know, like I said earlier, he turned on 75. If it was a true rumor, 
he turned down $75 million. Yeah, that's shocking. But like I said, if he would have agreed to it, you couldn't because you couldn't leave the country. A five mm. from you know, North America to Saudi Arabia, you know, or Australia, or that way, you couldn't fly yeah. nowhere. That's why, that's why they got rid of it, Tampa. They went to the Performance Center in Orlando to do a two-night show, you know, eight matches on Saturday, then eight matches on Sunday to close out the WrestleMania 36. But, um, yeah, and when the NXFL, like, suspended the whole entire season, um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty shocking. Pretty shocking, we'll say. Indeed. There you go. True, 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 blue indeed there. Uh, so we'll just want to have to watch, see what McMahon does next. Uh, J.D., are you back with us? He has not, he has not yet, he has not yet returned. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have more and more of these matches here. And I've got some, do, I got some doozies here. Uh, we got some new stuff in there. I did find some new stuff here earlier today. But I do have some that we that I did find, of course, over the last uh, several last several days, including over the weekend as well. So there'll be a lot more, of course, to be talking about here big time. Um, and if it hasn't been for, of course, the roundup of stuff that's been popping up on YouTube here a whole lot lately, you know, it wouldn't give me the ideas to, to talk about these, to bring up these matches and talk about it here. Because I'm sure, like I said, J.D., John, Fonson, everybody here enjoys, does enjoy talking about it, does remember them from back in the day, so... And speaking of YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, also thanks to YouTube, I've come up with something else here as well. We, of course, JD did report to us uh, a week or so ago that because of this infamous uh, uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic, or as I've called it, the overrated flu bug, that of course a lot of sports events have have been canceled. I mean, Fonzie definitely knows for knows this as well. There's been a lot of big time stuff all around. Basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, even golf has not been spared, obviously. Of course, the Masters tournament this year, there is not going to be a 2020 Masters because of this situation. So, ladies and gentlemen, after doing some research and finding some interesting stuff here, interesting finds here in recent, recent memory, I have come across a lot of the final round broadcast of Masters tournaments from the past, as I've called it, the WWS Masters Recap. And ladies and gentlemen, I have already posted 21 final round broadcasts. Now there, are, I'm sure there are a lot more on here that I have not yet found, but I have found some. The oldest being that I found so far is from 1979, and I've even found a couple from the 80s. I've even found, of course, some from the 90s, and of course some. Uh, from two, even some up until, of course, the newest one I've got is from two years ago. Uh, but, but, uh, <clears throat> but of course, here, um, I, I have now, I of course, have those posted on the WWS Sports Roundup page. And a lot of these final round tournaments, final, final round uh, broadcasts are about three, four, five hours long. 
on YouTube. So if you'd like to go back and enjoy some stuff in the past, I'm sure, like I said, I mean, definitely, like I said, JD does talk about golf here all the time. And, I'm sure, and we're, I'm sure, there, we're also, are, are, we are to some degree, like said, some big time golf fans as well. I mean, we enjoy it. We enjoy like looking at a lot of classic sports, classic uh, uh, sports memories and everything like that. And, and the Masters, of course, provides, has provided a whole lot of those as a result of that. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, like I said, we got 21 videos up there posted right now, of course, on the Sports Roundup page. Of, of course, different uh, final round broadcasts from, 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 like I said, I mean, I'm sure there are some that date back a lot, like, oh, they're a lot older than, than, the, than the one, than the oldest one that I have found here just recently. I'm still doing a lot more. There'll be more probably coming up here within the next day or two. But the oldest I've found so far is dating back to 1979. And there may be some that might be older than that coming up here soon because I'm still doing a lot of research and trying to find a lot of them. So definitely check it out here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can go to, to the Sports Roundup page by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WCWS sports time. If you care, of course, to check that out here as well. Uh, JD, are you back with us? I'm here. Okay. Uh, I'm sure JD is JD's definitely going to enjoy right there is all those final final round broadcasts of the Masters. I know JD, you're going to have you're going to have your you're going to have your fill of, of golf right there on the page. So I'm sure you're definitely going to enjoy that, that there indeed. Uh, JD, find anything else y'all wish to add before we close up shop here for the night? Uh, not really. See if AEW goes on tomorrow night, but I will be watching part two before I go to sleep tonight. I will let you know what my thoughts are about part two of this thing tonight, or tomorrow, and the aftermath of the, uh, the show that they're interviewing Chavo Guerrero and Tommy Dreamer called After Dark. Uh, if you saw part one of this, however, definitely uh, like we like to hear your, hopefully your thoughts. However, but uh, this to say part two I heard is a little more graphic than you would. Indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Gentlemen, on that note here, I do thank everybody for joining us here tonight for episode 811 of WWS Resolution. I once again, as always, do thank the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, and also the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, for joining me here tonight here as well. Fonzie's already with us for the night, so Fonzie, we thank you again, sir. I also definitely want to thank our friends for joining us tonight via WWS Legacy. Of course, including Mr. Justin Lewis Fleming, of course, the King of Clubs, Matt Patel. Also, Mr. I believe Anthony Chobot has joined us, as well as, of course, Captain Dave Spieler. We do thank you for joining us here tonight. Uh, J.D., you want to get in a quick plug with Captain Dave? Yes, the Captain Corners podcast. You definitely want to check it out for sure. You do not want to miss it for sure, Hella. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, dear J.D. On um, <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check us out tomorrow night on WWS Outside of the Ropes at 6.30. Uh, speaking of one quick entertainment tidbit before I go and I'll, I'll emphasize this a great deal more on Outside of the Ropes here tomorrow, that, of course, there was a rumor flying around that they were thinking about streaming the, the, the newest Wonder Woman movie that's planning on coming out called Wonder Woman 1984. However, ladies and gentlemen, I can confirm that that is not the case. That 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 is, that rumor was actually kind of struck down by Warner Brothers. They are actually going to show the movie in theaters on August the 14th. 
because they're very optimistic that the theaters will be back up and going by that time, and they will be airing. They will be, of course, premiering the movie in theaters on August the 14th. So there'll be probably more on this story here tomorrow on Outside the Ropes. We'll definitely bring that here to you. Tomorrow night at 6.30, of course, uh, 141387-pound, as well as some other uh, uh, pop culture stories, of course, music, movies, sports. Hopefully, J.D. will have all our box office report, as well as, of course, some sports headlines as well, and some other fun stuff we'll talk about here, of course, at 6.30. Also, at 8 o'clock, don't forget WWS Wrestling Debate. Uh, 139925 pound, of course. We'll talk about if, in fact, AEW and NXT do go on. Of course, now they're talking about them shutting down a lot of things in Florida because of this coronavirus situation. Uh, uh, we'll just we'll have to just, we'll be watching this very carefully. Also, of course, we'll talk about what happened with Raw, what might happen with SmackDown. Uh, of course, obviously, WrestleMania is, WrestleMania is also kind of a big, big talking point there as well. So there'll be more about that tomorrow night on Wrestling Debate at 8 o'clock. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, episode 812 of Revolution, of course, our live video feed uh, <clears throat> will be from, uh, let's see, yes, will be from WWS Interview Corner, News and Views, History and Birthdays, of course, we will hopefully have you something in discussion about AEW and NXT, also in addition to the News and Views and History and Birthdays. And some more matches, ladies and gentlemen, in our last month's wrestling extravaganza. Be sure to check that out here as well. Also, of course, don't forget to, to check out Perpetual Uniquity on eBay. eBay.com forward slash STR forward slash Perpetual Uniquity. P-E-R-P-U-T-A-L-U-N-I-Q-U-I-T-Y. Internet retail for the eternally distinctive individual. Still a lot of great items on there for sale. New stuff posted every, every couple of days. Sure to check that out here today, of course, here at Perpetual Uniquity. And also, don't forget Bulldog DVD sells a variety on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Bulldog DVD sells variety. <clears throat> uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. If one or two, one or two discs in each set are worth one dollar. DVDs and Blu-rays is three or more discs in each set are worth two dollars. DVDs in the dual cases are worth fifty cents. And also, of course, the fourth set of movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger is still worth three dollars. Be sure to check that out here today. Remember, at Bulldog DVD sales and variety, you take a bite out of the cost so you can enjoy your favorite selection. <clears throat> Revolution 811 is a broadcast of the WCWS. Hang on, Network. I'm trying to get the music here queued up, guys. So bear with me. Revolution 811 is a broadcast of the WCWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we, are, of course, are four years older, continuing to be bolder. Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Folks, take care of yourselves and each other. Continue, of course, to, you know, keep washing your hands. Um, you know, stay. stay, stay. Uh, 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 yeah, also, if that, might, if that might help you go through the coronavirus, too, go ahead as well. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but uh, definitely, like I said, uh, like I said, just uh, keep a stiff up a little bit, folks. This thing will hopefully be over with very, very soon. So with this cross up and and also folks definitely continue to pray because that's definitely we need a lot more of that here than pretty much anything else here that's been that's been talked about here a whole lot in recent memory. So since 2015, ladies and gentlemen, you're a source for everything in the world of pro wrestling, pop culture, and everything in between. This is of course the WCWS Radio Network, and I think JD's just about got it. Ready? Ready? Okay. And here is the Iceman, Jerry Duomo, with Revolution 811's 
closing scene of the night. Exactly, ladies and gentlemen, take care and God bless. Of course, this is the WWS Radio Network.